Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is August the 11th, 2021. This is episode 293, I believe. I could be off by a number there. I don't know. Um, If you don't know what we are, we're a podcast that brings you all news and thoughts about media. That includes movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. With me always is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We are Media Boat Podcast, here to bring you all the latest and greatest thoughts that we ever do every single week. And by (laughs) the way, you are wrong. 294? 292. Wait, what? 292? Are you sure? Okay. I have 292 here. So apparently I'm reporting from the future over here. Um, So I will uh, jump back into the the time traveling quicksand here and go back down a couple of years to where we are, or a couple couple of weeks where we are right now. You're right. It is a year a week. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it these days. Jesus Christ. Speaking of which, like it started on this year's week um, by talking about movies as we always start. Yeah, I try to figure that one out. When um, we always start with movies, but we always start the movies with the weekend box office numbers. First up, your new debut movie is your number one movie in the week because everything else got out of the way. And that being The Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, uh, made $26 million in its debut. Just we'll to have note our thoughts on that a bit. We later. will. And then yes, just to note, as we always do, that is also available on HBO Max streaming. Those numbers are not included here. Number two, Jungle Cruise slips down to uh, another $15 million. That's sitting at $65 million total. Number three, Space Jam, a new legacy made another 4.3. That's sitting at $63 million. Number four, old, you know, the beach that makes you old. million sitting at 38 million total right now domestic and rounding out your top five. Black Widow does the thing we said it was going to do and I made another $3.9 million. That's at 174 domestic. That means Black Widow is your new reigning Mm. box office domestic champion. Yep. And Scarlett Johansson is still pissed. So there you go. As for new releases, if you're not uh, satisfied with rewatching uh, the Suicide Squad again, uh, there are a couple, a few new uh, releases this week. First up, Don't Breathe 2, as the name implies, is equal to Don't Breathe. Apparently someone took a breath the first time, so they need to <laughs> remind you yet again. Don't breathe again. We also have Respect! I say it like that because it's on all caps. What is this? Is this about Aretha Franklin? This is Aretha Franklin. Hey, so you can either it. yell it uh, all caps as respect. <laughs> or spell or it out. You can do it the Aretha Franklin style and spell it out. Right, yes. Take out TCP. And then lastly, the big release this week. Free Guy. I, well, it's the big release because it's the most marketed, is what I mean by that. Right, because it's marketed I, by 20th century, I mean Disney. Yes, to 20th fil- century films, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, Free Guy, if you haven't heard of it, this is the one where Ryan Reynolds is a video game NPC who takes the reins of his own future. Uh, and yeah, so surprisingly getting okay reviews uh, pre-release, so we'll see what happens when it comes out. But uh, You always get positive reviews pre-release, so yeah. we'll see how much it drops it once f- it is actually released. 
Yeah, we'll see how it fares later. Once your average moviegoer actually like gives their thoughts and inputs. Yes. But in the meantime, we have some movie news to talk about. Our first story is a follow-up of sorts, uh, talking about Warner Brothers' deal-making with all, all of the theater chains. We previously talked about how they were making deals with uh, chains such as Regal. Now AMC has joined the fray. Chairman and CEO Adam Aaron has inked a deal with Warner, ensuring a 45-day theatrical window for the studio's releases in 2022. Warner's previously hammered out a 45-day theatrical window with Cineworld and its U.S. counterpart, Regal, earlier this year. Quote, we are especially pleased that Warner's has decided to move away from day-and-date releases and commit to theatrical windows as well, says Aaron. We're having conversations with other movie studios in Hollywood. The one thing that quote does not mention is that in the story that we reported about HBO Max a couple weeks ago is that there were still plans to do day and date releases for certain releases. That implies that kind of what I was talking about that with that story a few weeks ago, that Warner will probably have to make a call about where that line is, what is an exclusive streaming release and what is a theatrical release. Right. The deal doesn't say what counts for <laughs> it. But it does state that they are looking forward to releasing exclusively in theaters for a 45-day window. I want to say those are your big blockbuster releases Mm -hmm. in order to generate said revenue, seeing as Suicide Squad itself only made $26 this past weekend, well under its uh, expected $30 projected going into the weekend. And I want to yeah. say heavily that is because you could have watched this on HBO Max. I mean, it's a combination of that as well as uh, COVID cases spiking nationwide right now. So what may have premiered really strong in June may not premiere strong, as strong in August. Maybe that's also to be considered here. Regardless from AMC's perspective, they're probably happy to get the team back together. But I want to imagine that as soon as HBO Max finds a successful film that was never released in theaters on their service, that's when the theater chains will take notice again and be like, hey, wait a minute. Hey, you jipped us. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's a combination of franchise naming or star caliber Mm -hmm. that ensures the 45-day theatrical window. They're going to make to make a note, big note here. That is half, hugely down from the typical 100 day and 90 day that we're used to seeing. Right. So automatically within two years, the studios have essentially come out on top by cutting that limited release, quote, in theaters only from 100 days to 45. It's the classic move of, Let's take it away 100% and then renegotiate and we, you get still on top of the deal because you it's better than nothing. Right. Yeah. So they pulled it off. All right. Let's move on to our second story here. Hey, so all these movie deals are being making, made, but who's going to make the movies of the future? Why? It's the young talent of Hollywood. So these lists always come out around this time, end of summer where it says the next big thing mm-hmm. because the next big thing is literally right around the corner as we get into Emmy season and mm-hmm. then award, uh, award season and awards pictures. 
So be on the lookout for these hot new young <laughs> artist talents. Yes, and this of course comes from uh, to us from Variety. They've curated a top 10 young and upcoming talent list to reveal the next big talents to come out of Hollywood. Well, the top two slots are musicians, 24K Golden, as you like to call him, and Omar Golden. Apollo. Yeah. A bulk of the rest are made up of rising actors. And number three is Angel Bismarck Curiel, who is currently on Pose. Sixth is Lana Condor, currently starring in Netflix's To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Moonshot for HBO Max, and a Hulu series, Takeout. And followed by Bradley Constant and Adrian Grohl, who both play different iterations of young Dwayne Johnson in NBC's Young Rock. Eighth is Emma Corrin, who was recently seen in The Crown playing Princess Diana. Others include Chase Dillon from The Underground Railroad, Barbie Ferreira from Euphoria, Michaela Harold from Industry, Amelia Jones from CODA, and Aaron Kellyman from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So right off the bat, some of these names, even if you don't know them by name, the projects they're working on should ring yes. a bell as the high-profile projects, current award-winning, award-nominated projects. Yeah, it's kind of a who's who, and it's interesting to see who's on multiple services even, like just kind of get dipping their toes in all sorts of places to see what catches, and that's smart for young talent to do. Uh, so yeah, we'll right. excited to see what these guys do. Yeah, it's also cool to note that it's not specifically one place that they're pulling this talent, this these actors and talent from. You have networks like FX and Pose. You have, wait, no, sorry. You have <laughs> premium, yeah. like Netflix and Pose. Networks like Young Rock, streaming from Netflix, and even like and The Crown, uh, HBO with Barbie Ferreira and Euphoria, and then Aaron Kellyman, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then you also have big names like Chase Daniels, who not a big name, but worked with Lee Daniels, I believe, on uh, Railroad. Yes. No, sorry, not, no, the other one. No. Um, Moonlight director. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Um, shoot, I don't remember his name right off Barry the top Jenkins. of my head. Terry Jenkins. Thank yes. you. So big names on these projects that these young actors are working on to help hone their craft, improve their skill. And like we saw with Anya Taylor-Johnson, next year or the year after, you'll see their names in these big projects. Kind of their their solo projects, their award-winning me projects. Yeah. Very exciting to see them, see what they do. So uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, we had some eyes on some movies. Uh, we both watched one of these. So do you want to do the one that you watched first? Yeah, because it's a real quick one and was going to be my other story. But I decided to watch it just to make sure. <laughs> so Netflix has a new movie. I won't say new. Okay. Movie out. Um, it's a German and English language release, porn film, called Blood Red Sky was going to be my story of the week because it's a un, relative unknown film with unknown actors, but is currently one of the top highest films viewed on Netflix. 50 million in two weeks. Hmm. So I thought, hey, that's quite a lot. Let me take a look at this. Okay. So I watched it. And I came out on the other side kind of mixed reviews, though. 
Okay. Partly because I think people are just starved for content, especially <laughs> in the horror genre. Sure. That anything at this point is good. But it does the good thing of taking two separate concepts and combining them. You have that uh, nonstop Liam Neeson on a plane uh, with hijackers versus, hey, what if it was that? But vampires are involved. <laughs> so I want to say the original name of this movie was titled Overnight. <laughs> like not, not that they named it overnight, but the actual title was called Overnight because vampires only come out at night. And one of the longest flight is an overnight flight from <laughs> London to the US. So no need for sun anywhere. No need to worry about it because, yeah. hey, vampires on a plane. <laughs> That's what they should have called this. So they should have called it. Just vampires on a plane. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. It kind of says so in the like the description. as you. Yeah, 50 it. million people have saw that, seen this. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it does a really good thing of continually anting up the stakes. Like, at first it's just, oh, plane hijackers. Then it's, oh, monster on board then it's oh one of the hijackers becomes a monster then it goes oh now everyone's a monster oh now everyone's a hijacker oh <laughs> now we're getting like governments involved the stakes just keep getting raised to not mm. quite the ridiculous level because of where the movie starts but at the same time it it's like oh that's a good idea that's a content good idea it's a really good well-written script but your mileage may vary because one, it is subtitled, and if you're English speaking and don't want to read, hey, there's some German stuff in here that people speaking in their native tongue, and yeah, you may uh, need to read some stuff some, at some point. But also, it's a horror slash vampire slash slasher flick, mm -hmm. and it does at times heavily lean into that just so you can like get that blood fix of it being gore for the sake of gore. So mileage may vary, even though apparently people are watching this and keep recommending it. <laughs> okay, well, so it's there and it's Netflix, so it's like not a whole lot of investment is required. No, but if you're like really wanting a, either a horror film or a vampire film, check it out. Otherwise, you can go ahead and skip it. Fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to the movie that we both watched this week and this week's big release, also this week's number one film. So yeah, just everything all at once. And of course, that is The Suicide Squad. Now, I really have to hit the the here because otherwise you might get it confused with Suicide Squad, a movie that came out years ago that was universally reviled. That was David Ayer's PG-13 yes. right. Suicide Squad. Suicide That's confused Squad. with James Gunn's R-rated film, The, the, Suicide, the Squad. Suicide Squad. So uh, you've heard us talk about DC uh, Extended Universe films here on the uh, Media Boat podcast. We're generally not fans. It seems like post-Batman, they can't really figure out where they want to be tonally. That's all over the place. They have so many different creatives involved that there's no 
you know, one answer that they've been able to figure out of what works. There's no formula, but they figured out, unlike Disney with the Marvel films. Um, and that's nothing can be like clearer of an example of that by comparing the first Suicide Squad film and this Suicide Squad film. This is 100% a clean slate that never happened, rewriting the entire like approach of making a film about these characters. In fact, a lot of these characters were not even in the first film. It's completely a reimagining of how to tell the story about a suicide squad in the DC universe. Um, and yeah, with the help of James Gunn, it has a voice more or less. It does do something very specific in kind of his style. And ultimately, I think that's the reason why this one works. I had a good time with the Suicide Squad. Better, uh, it was better than I imagined it was going to be. You did? Yeah. Did we watch the same film? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Because I, I thought you would have hated this film. So let me explain myself, because I don't think it's perfect in any way. I think it's a combination of a couple things. One, it's a DC film that does not take itself seriously, which is key. The problem which, with a lot of their films is that they go so deep in that serious direction that they lose themselves on the other end. Um, I mean, a, a good recent example of this is Wonder Woman 1984. The reason why the first Wonder Woman worked was because there was a fun dynamic between characters and it had a fun atmosphere. It never felt like it was too serious for its own good. 1984 throws that all out the window. Everything has to be self-serious throughout. You have to believe in the villain the whole time in order for the whole movie to work. So as soon as that goes away, the entire film falls apart. And it just didn't work. It was not fun to watch. It was super cringy. It was, it was a lousy movie. And I think they realized that after afterwards. Here, it's like from moment one, from the jump, James Gunn is saying, oh yeah, what I did for Guardians, I'm going to do again here, except that our rating is, I'm going to use 100% of it. And so you can tell that he's having fun this entire time. You can tell everybody in this movie is having fun the entire time. The characters are interesting. Their dynamic between them, each other is fun to watch. Um, the bits and pieces of um, like reference, like of song references, and kind of like like is is another thing he proved that he's really good at with the Guardians films um, works here as well. Really good needle drops here. Um, the vibe of it maybe isn't super consistent. I feel like when it jumps from oh, wow, that explosion was pretty wild or like that guy got his head chopped off really weird and then tries to get you into the emotional zone by having a character tell their deep backstory. Sometimes there is some tonal whiplash. I will give you there. Uh, and you haven't even argued yet, but I'm assuming that's something <laughs> you're going to argue because I know you. Um, there is some tonal whiplash where it does try to be those, both of those films at the same time. Your mileage may vary on that. But I think ultimately, when you zoom out and you look big picture, it's trying to be one thing. And that one thing is fun, super fun, wacky, ultra violent superhero movie. But it's also not cynical in the way something like Deadpool is, which is the reason why I don't care for the Deadpool films. It doesn't get 
so self-referential that it ends up being like, okay, come on. Like, I see what you're doing here. I get it. Let's move on. It's still in universe with its humor, which is why it works. It's not winking and nudging at you the entire time about DC universe shit. It doesn't have to. Because it knows that the story about the characters it's telling in the moment is interesting enough where it doesn't need to bother with that bullshit. And like, it doesn't. Unlike recent Space Jam and the new, yes. A New Legacy where yeah. it wink, wink, and nudge, nudge, and threw all the references right in your face. Yeah. This one kind of doesn't. And so as for things that maybe I wasn't 100% on board with, yeah, the ultraviolets got a little old. Uh, by the end end of the film, I felt like, all right, we've gotten one too many scenes where, yes, I did see that body get torn into. Uh, I think the one that really, really was just like, and minor spoilers for people who haven't seen the movie, that kind of gave me an eye roll was, do we really need to see the knife going into his heart and x-ray? Do we really need that? I don't think we needed that, James. You don't need to do this. But he did it anyways, presumably because he could. Uh, and so there's there, there was just one too many moment like that where I was just like, all right. And it doesn't end super well. I think they know that they they had a very long movie already on their hands. So it probably is a movie that could have used an epilogue and doesn't have one. Um, you get a post-credits thing that, by the way, didn't mean a lick of sense to me, uh, but will do a lot of people. So there's that. Um, but yeah, ultimately it's a fun time and it's good for HBO Max because I feel like there are probably some people who would spend money to go to the theater for this and be like coming out on the other end of like be like, well, that was not what I expected. And I think HBO Max is the perfect venue for it. Try it out. I think it's a fun time. It's lighter, it, it's light, super violent, superhero fun that is totally, I don't know, it's fluffy. Does it need to exist? Probably not. But hey, it's a fun time, I thought. So I'm going to throw out a recent film here and compare <laughs> it directly to it. And okay. Because it both is and isn't the exact same film. <laughs> Can't do that. Yes, I can. <laughs> Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder. Okay. You didn't watch this. No, I didn't. But to me, both that and The Suicide Squad had very similar tones in that it was a teenager's bloody fantasy (laughs) of what a comic book should be. Okay. Where Army of the Dead fails is that no one told Zack Snyder, no, you can't do that or pull back (laughs) on this. Whereas The Suicide Squad, James Gunn knows when to pull a punch, when to slip in a joke, when Mm -hmm. the tone is right. And that's what makes him a better director than Zack Snyder. Sorry, I had to say it. Come at me if you want. Snack, snack Snyder fans, get ready. Build up your army. Uh, <laughs> Delicious snacks. We'll, we'll call them the snacks. The snacks. Yeah, yeah fan. Delicious snacks. <laughs> uh, but everything you said about Suicide Squad is right. James Gunn knows how to direct. He knows how to get a better performance out of people than, say... David Ayers, who directed Suicide (laughs) Squad. Sure. But also, he wanted to make this thing his own film. Notice how the characters that he was, I want to put quotes on here, forced to bring back (laughs) used very sparingly in the actual film. Sure. Like, even Harley Quinn doesn't really need to be in here. I saw that take a lot 
a lot of people were making the same argument about like, does she even really need to be here? She's not super important to the plot until they give her the climactic thing. But even that doesn't do anything. <laughs> right. And I was like, I think, I think though, I think you lose some charm without her because I think she's a fun element of this movie. And I think it may not have been as fun for me if she was taken out. So I'm not 100% on, on board with that take. I mean, her, she essentially completes the mission mm -hmm. that she was set out on. Yeah. But then the mission itself just escalates. So, also, I think if you try to market a movie called Suicide Squad and don't have Harley in it, I think that that's a, that's a billion headlines that they can't afford to have. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, technically, she completed the mission, even though, like, the mission itself got expounded upon. <laughs> like up the wazoo but I thought it was a fun take in the right in the opening where you have the suicide yeah. squad and then immediately showing like oh yeah the first one not a lot of people died in there because <laughs> one PG-13 but also if you want to make a sequel you kind of need people to survive a suicide mission <laughs> right? right right looking around right <laughs> I mean yeah I thought it was a it's an interesting fake out, and I think that it's not perfect. I think that you can see the holes in it if you try hard enough, but if you're not expecting it, I think it is a fun surprise. Mm -hmm. But it's a fun time. It's a fun movie. Uh, it definitely puts Idris Elba in front and center as the leading role. <laughs> yeah. And shows like why he's a leading man, more so than God, what was that? The Dark Tower he was in? Yeah. Hey, it's preparing for us for his next uh, big headliner film that was just announced yesterday. Yes, he's co-headlining. Yeah. As he's voice as Knuckles. <laughs> right. In Sonic the Hedgehog 2 coming to theaters next year, presumably. Yeah, what a weird uh, combo. Ben Schwartz and Idris <laughs> Elba talking like to him. each other. I, it's perfect, if you ask me. I think it's great. Why not? Um... Sorry, anyways. Anyways, sidetracked. Uh, I like that... Is it weird to say that I like that a lot more people died in this film? <laughs> it emphasized the suicideness of it? Well, that, yes, that, but like, also... raise the stakes, like, yes. like, no one's safe. Exactly, which is something that classically superhero movies have a hard time doing. Just ask any Marvel fan. The only reason why Endgame resonated so well was because they finally did it. They finally made the stakes real. We, we talked about this with both Infinity War and Endgame, right? Mm -hmm. They made it so you actually felt like this was a loss scenario that these heroes could lose. They do that really well here by having major characters die. Also big names that you think would mm -hmm. survive throughout it right. die. Yeah. Spoiler, non-spoiler? You know, it's called Suicide Squad. We're not going to tell you who. Die. It's a suicide mission. Yeah. We're not going to tell you who does, but we, yes, people will die. Yes. Uh, but overall, a fun movie. I had fun watching this. Okay. I think you if you're not like either into comic books or into the ultraviolet that this thing can go, it can be an immediate turnoff. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like, the, and the reason why I didn't lead with that 
you're right, but the reason why I didn't lead with that, and I feel like that's a harder conversation to have now, is because of the success of Deadpool. Right. I think Deadpool rewrote a lot of the expectations that we have for who watches these movies, right? It reset the clock almost because there was this assumption before Deadpool, you have to make these films PG-13 because they're for teenagers, they're for children, they're not for people who see R-rated films. And I think what they found out is, is like, no, there actually is an audience here. So we can just unleash whatever we want. And so, yeah, I think in a post-Deadpool world, it's harder to have that argument. People will see this movie. I also like, think that's not going to be a streaming world where there is no set age restriction when you click yeah. play on a film. <laughs> Helps Unless you set one. Unless you Parental set one. controls do exist. Yeah, but <laughs> if your parent is smart enough to put an actual parental control <laughs> You're probably yeah. too young to watch it anyways. <laughs> fair enough. Um, no, yeah, you're, that's fair. Is that they, they knew when they said this was going to be a simultaneous release that that was going to be the case. Um, uh, so I think we both come out positive on this. Yeah, no, no, you, you led seeming a lot more negative. <laughs> there is a lot of holes in this when you think about it yeah. too hard. But yeah, going in for a fun time and having fun with a film, James mm-hmm. Gunn gives you that fun. He knows what and he's I making. Like he yeah. knows exactly the movie he's making, and that's why it succeeds. Mm-hmm. I think if you're as 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 snack zider and you go and trying to make this magnum opus, uh, that's why it doesn't work because you don't think for a second what is the actual product I'm putting out on the market is. You're so up your auteur ass that you don't think about that part of the transaction. I think James Gunn at least is down to earth enough to consider it, to be like, what is this product that I'm making here? Even though it is my art, it is also my product. And I think he walks that line in a really smart way. Yeah, he has a smart brand. Yeah. And I think at this point, safe to say a bankable director? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I mean, we'll see how it goes. In the weeks prior, as you mentioned, kind of a disappointing debut, but we don't know how well it did on streaming. So Warner is going to look at both of those numbers and I'm sure compare. Yeah, I'm sure Disney is happy that he's at least back for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he has a separate project in the works, but I'm sure he does. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see very soon, I'm sure. All righty. Stream it. Don't go to the movie because theaters are currently bad right. and may close down again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely stream it. Also, your mileage may vary on, like we said, the violence and the um, length of it. And yeah, it's not a perfect movie in any way, but for what DC has been doing with their superhero movies lately, it's one of the better ones. Yep. That we can say pretty. That's pretty good. Pretty confidently. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're watching the Harley Quinn show. Yeah, which is very, very good. Yep. Also, turns out. All right. Which, oh, one takeaway I came out of this is I feel like by the end of this movie, I was like, should I go back and watch Birds of Prey? You can't. Is it not on HBO? Not yet. Uh, they took it off, remember? I forgot. But yeah, I heard good things at the time and then kind of put it in the back burner. But now after watching watching the television show and act- and now after watching this film, I'm like, I should probably go back and see what that was. Mm, trying to think back to it. 
this film is a better film, but mm-hmm. I did like what they did with Birds of Prey. Okay. All right, let's move on. We always start the television sequence, uh, se- sequence that's new, uh, segment of the show with Sports Corner. So let's jump into that first. All right. As you know, the Olympics, which we covered in depth the last two weeks, have ended. So here's a little recap for you. The USA topped the gold and the total medal count at the end with 39 gold medals and 113 total. China is second with 38 gold and 88 total. And Japan is in third with 27 gold medals and 58 total. That is if that's what the media wants you to believe. (laughs) Yes. Because if you're in China and your media wanted China to come out on top, guess what they did? Mm -hmm. They added Chinese Taipei medals and Taiwan's medals to their count. Of course they did. Because they don't (laughs) exist, right? Mm. They're not recognized. Uh, Anyway... Anyway. In case you're wondering about the Russians in, uh, without name um, in the ROC, they ended up with 71 total medals. Uh, yeah, I think that was the second highest total. Well, I'm sorry, third. Third highest total. But yeah, um, the Russian Olympic Committee of Athletes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, definitely not Russians. Yep. All right. Just ask. Uh, do you want to talk about the closing ceremonies right now? I didn't watch the closing ceremonies. How dare you? Shame. Shame. So yeah, if you if you want to say something real quick about it, go for it. Uh, you got hyped for Paris. Uh, <laughs> use the Eiffel Tower because of course you do. And yeah. jets fly by with the flag on it. Sure. Um, a couple of cultural important notes. In, in those closing ceremonies from Japan, including a kabuki theater, reenactment, yeah. and the overall closing of the torch, which transformed back into its morph ball, which was cool to see. And it goes both okay. ways. <laughs> cool. Yep. Um, quick notes on that. US won gold medal and gold or and total. Literally on the last day of competition, because that's when all the sports competitors um, got their gold medals. And six out of those eight were women competitive sports, including volleyball, softball, and well, soccer won bronze in that, so it counts towards the medal. Mm. But yeah. Mm. Um, okay. Women's sports dominated and helped the U.S. Oh, and basketball won gold as well. Both basketballs won gold. All right. Okay. Well, now that Olympic fever has been quelled, uh, largely. (laughs) Although your own individual. Oh, no. Uh, I I just remembered some stuff I'm adding for quick notes here for thought. Okay. That's like what just happened. Um... Now that Olympic fever has subsided, at least in most of us, it's time to talk about other sports because other sports are still happening. First up in the NFL, as we mentioned last week, the Hall of Fame inductees were chosen. We have Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Anna uh, Allen, sorry, Allen Fenica, and John Lynch, as well as senior committee choice Drew Pearson, coach Tom Flores, 
and contributor Bill Nunn. Yep, all important to the game. Um, they did reveal Peyton Manning's bust, which of course had his great forehead. <laughs> also, if you have not watched Peyton Manning's speech, do so. One, Manly Man Tears. Two, <laughs> it is not a speech, more so as most people are pointing out. A, I want to put this lightly. <laughs> his resume to become commissioner one day. <laughs> you think that's the ultimate goal there? I mean, wouldn't you want Peyton Manning as the NFL commissioner? I'm not sure I know who I would want to be the football commissioner, but I'm not exactly the right person to ask. But fair enough. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, anyways, busts were revealed, speeches were spoken, <laughs> and a football game was played of sorts, but I'll get to that later. Okay. For now, let's talk about other sports here. Major League Baseball, and we kind of already knew about this, but it's finally happening. It's finally here. We'll have, we'll have the Yankees and the White Sox play in Iowa for the Field of Dreams game, just like the movie, for about 8,000 fans. 8,000 selected Iowan vaccinated fans. To be <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, I'm yeah. not sure if all 8,000 are healthcare workers or not, but one of the requirements was you had to be vaccinated. Okay. Entered into a lottery. Fair enough. Buy a ticket. But yeah, as the name of the game implies, they're going to try to play a game just like uh, depicted in the film Field of Dreams. On the same plot as the recreation of the uh, field, but like mm-hmm. Uh, like half a mile the other way. <laughs> so it's on the same side. It's not using the actual field of dreams dimensions because those dimensions no longer work <laughs> in Major League Baseball parts. Right, right. That is changed. Just home runs after home runs after home runs. Which honestly, that's fine I'm too. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, we're okay with that. But, uh, yeah, but they had to that. move it to recreate dimensions. Otherwise, you'd be running straight into, and like, put an actual wall out there. Otherwise, you'd be running straight to the cornfield every single time. Mm-hmm. Just losing balls left and right. <laughs> hey, when I lose balls left and right. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, cool. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, that is officially tomorrow from the recording of this podcast. Yep, so that's Field Friday uh, the 12th, if you're listening to this recorded. Yep, yeah. Thursday, Thursday 12th. Oh, Thursday, sorry. Yes. I got a day off there. Alrighty. Anything else in sports before we move on to some television news? Um, they'll be wearing some throwback uniforms. So that's Ooh. fun. Cool. But no, uh, yeah, sports week one of the, well, I guess technically week two of NFL preseason starts. For those of you who don't re- remember, and just to reiterate, there are only three preseason games this year. Um, technically four weeks because the Hall of Fame game counts as week one, but everyone else gets three preseason games this year instead of the typical four. Okay. But that does also mean that the actual length of the schedule for the NFL is extended by one game. See. So we have 18 games. No, sorry. Yeah, 18 games, 19 weeks. No one can go eight and eight anymore. 
eight no sorry it's 18 weeks 17 games no one goes eight and eight anymore that's what it is. <laughs> eight and eight is 16 plus one is 17 yeah got it okay, okay. cool so I look forward to football season soon but in the meantime let's stop talking about sports and let's talk about some television and our first bit of news takes us to the town of south park so yeah Someone out there, I guess, still cares about South Park as an entity, as a series, as a media empire. Well, I, I hear something, but I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't know what I'm hearing. Anyway, uh, this completely irrelevant culturally uh, media empire uh, is expanding. Uh, Mastone and Trey Parker have landed a $900 million deal with Viacom CBS to continue producing South Park through 2027 and create 14, that's one in four, episodes that are high concept enough where if you wanted to make a movie, we could, uh, according to uh, the creators. Those will be coming exclusively to Paramount Plus beginning this year. Continuing the quote, we want to scratch both itches. We feel like we can, said Matt Stone in an interview following the deal. We're a media company. We use the proceeds from this to invest. These are multi-year projects we invested a bunch of money in. We have a South Park 3D video game, release date unknown. Um, So yeah, I mean, the previous deal that they had uh, allowed them to create the Book of Mormon, which went on to win a bunch of Tony Awards and countless Broadway fans. Um, And also they're looking into build a real-life weed business based on the one they created for South Park. Um, So basically they're all over the place and they're trying kind of just making everything that they want to um so yes good for as, them uh it's not in written down but as matt stone put it in the interview 900 million dollars basically means we have fuck you money i mean yeah they, that's the thing though is that they kind of always had it they've never sure not the last deal they had well even before that though what i'm saying is that from day one their entire thing has been, we're going to do whatever the hell we want. And they've more or less done that forever. Right, now they actually have the money to <laughs> do whatever the hell they want. But I would argue they kind of always did. And well, so they always had the attitude. Now they have the bank to back No, up but the they attitude. also had the money is what I'm saying. I don't think this is new. Uh, anyways, it doesn't matter if you like South Park, if you like what they do, there's going to be more of it. So good for you, I guess. <laughs> Yep, they're going to run into season 30, and then hopefully by then the Simpsons will die off, and <laughs> South Park can take away their crown, maybe, yeah. probably not. The arms race, the arms <laughs> race continues. No, I think that now the Simpsons, uh, since the Simpsons is now a Disney property, it will never go away. Right. <laughs> um, also, of note that those 14 movies aren't technically full movies like the ones they sure. have released in the past. They're more like the specials. one hour specials that they did with the, the pandemic special and mm-hmm. the vaccine, the vaccinated special. It makes sense for them to do it that way because yeah, like they said, if they want to tell like a longer story instead of dedicating, you know, let's say Two three or, or four episodes, episodes of their season with to it, they can now just put it in its own place. So right. yeah, there you go. Sad news is that it most likely will be behind the paywall that is Paramount Plus. But yeah. good news is that. People really liked their South Park video game, Stick of Truth and uh, Butthole. 
I believe that game was called Fractured the, Butthole. The Fractured Butthole. Yes, there yeah, it is. Fractured Butthole. That's what I said. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So people mm-hmm. like those games enough that they're just going to create their own video games from it. So yeah. could we see like MMORPG South Park where just constantly adding new content they already do that with mobile they have a phone game yeah a south park approach to the service game would make some sense um yeah i can see it but uh we'll see what they do man let's south park yeah 100 million try of a billion dollars that's too much money (laughs) is what i will say reese witherspoon got a billion dollars last year or not last year last week week. last week was a year ago (laughs) <laughs> again, it feels like it. Again, the time travel paradox. Yeah, yeah we talked right. about Witherspoon getting $900 million. Why can't Matt Stone and Trey Parker do it? Mm, you know, but... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Our second story has to do with media vote favorite, and I think it's pretty inarguable at this point, best game show on television, Jeopardy. As you know, Jeopardy has had a revolving door of guest hosts, including Joe Buck, the final guest host who hosts this week. But news of Alex Trebek's permanent replacement has finally been announced. All right. Executive producer and boring white guy, Mike Richards, has been has given himself the job, as you put it here. You're not wrong. <laughs> Which, yes, as you're holding a phone, finger phone in front of you, you did call. You call yes. that. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> but wait, what's this? Uh, ring, 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 but, ring. A second ring? What's yeah, but this? he's not the only one. He's not the only one. Uh, I have two calls here that I got correct. What's this? Yeah, because if you recall, eh, pun intended, <laughs> the news story that we reported a few months ago about Jeopardy also getting some a series of primetime specials, that will have a different a host, and that will be Maya Bialik, who was a, one of our rotating guest stars. Who I said constantly since her run that mm-hmm. she was by far the best host yes. that they had. The most charismatic, the most knowledgeable seeming. Um, yeah, definitely a no-brainer when it comes to special episodes. And so that's exactly what's going to happen. So she'll host the primetime episodes that will begin with the upcoming all-new Jeopardy Not- National College Championship. So Ravi Ahuja, um, Sony chair of Global TV Studios, said, quote, we knew early on that we wanted to divide the hosting responsibilities, and it became very clear that Mike and Mayim were the undeniable choices. They were of the to- both at the top of our research and analysis. Again, makes sense. If you're Jeopardy, makes sense from, to promote from within. Although, it's going from producer to star a promotion or a demotion i'm not actually sure um, i mean he's still getting his executive producer right credit. so makes you think um and before i saw this uh on the internet so i just want to clarify a lot of people were very angry because they're like he's not even a host apparently if you do go back into the man's history he did, did use to host game shows so he does have some experience on it even though now he's not seen as a hosting person he has done it so not my first choice i wish they would have maybe picked somebody a little younger a little outside of the circle but that's just me i think this is fine whatever it's not 
the best out- outcome for all this. But hey, at least the primetime shows will be interesting. Uh, so the new season of Jeopardy will debut on September 13th. I am fine with this. Okay. I think that Mike Richards, even though he's not probably the most charismatic host that they've had, <laughs> again, pointing to Mayim right there. Yeah. Um, he's definitely one that checks all the boxes and makes everyone feel safe and acceptable with the outcome. You're I mean, not it makes any raging hate going around it. It's what do we say for American Idol? Boring white guy wins again. Right. Yeah. Pretty much same the, the safe choice wins. Because when you uh, pull everyone, not just where you are, but across the nation, it's the safe play. It's also one that's happening every single day. Or at least, sorry. They're not recording every single day, but they're airing every single day. So you don't want a big name necessarily hosting it. But you do want someone on that prime time to get that prime time money and those ads. Sure. And again, what I what I was going to say is just like also he's good because he's watched the show every week <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's there and so of course this is the guy who's good at it because he works on the show but anyway uh yeah so we'll see how they do uh we'll see um the new iteration of jeopardy as it premieres but uh interesting nonetheless what roller bucket and just for you let's bring back here ken jennings is still on as a executive producer don't worry about that. right but he's yes. also doing the chase, which, right, you know, so that's getting him some hosting and competing uh, experience. It's true. All right. With that, let's move on to some television thoughts. You've been watching some TV this week. Yes, I have. Uh, first, we're going to start with some season finales because it's the end of the season. End of the series, not series, but end of the season. So, first up is a show about the cult, the one I didn't <laughs> want to talk about, the one that I didn't want yet, to watch. Here we are yet, talking about again. Talking about it. And even in the very end, oh, no, sorry, not very end, the penultimate episode, if I remember it correctly, <laughs> they actually said cult, that you're talking like a cult. And I was like, yes, thank you. You did it. You acknowledge that you're talking like a cult here. Ultimately, it didn't come to anything. It's an okay, but in terms of like kids save the universe or kids save the world that are mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. there's better stuff on there. I'm pointing to like even Secrets of Sulphur Springs and uh, the uh, what was it? Secret Society of Second Born Royals. Mm-hmm. I feel like both of those are better produced and sorry, not better produced. Better storytelling shows because this one, the Serious Bandit Society, well produced. I liked all the art stuff. I just hated the story. So mileage yeah. may vary and second season may be up in the air. I think there's some good young child actors in this thing, mm-hmm. but you won't see that contribution for maybe five to ten years. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately, not worth it when there's better better versions of this elsewhere. Yeah, better versions of kids 
save the day <laughs> about kids doing extra stuff. Yeah, even on like, Disney Plus itself. Even on Disney Plus itself. Direct, <laughs> like in-house competitors. There's yeah. better stuff around. So skip Mysterious Bandit Society, whatever you do, don't watch it. Unless you're <laughs> that into Tony Hale. <laughs> which is a very like slim slim pickings out there. <laughs> Good to know. All right. to say about that. Um, secondly, is the show that also ended, The Bad Batch. Uh, right. Its first season had ended as well and finally caught up on that. And yeah, Dave Filoni could just run everything at this point. Please let him. <laughs> if he's not already. Because this was supposed to be a spinoff show about a, a specific group of clone troopers post the Clone Wars. What do you do after that? What happens next? It was really well done. It kind of fixes a couple plot holes as well, as <laughs> while also making callbacks and call forwards to future and past stuff in the Star Wars universe. It's really well done and a good continuation of the Clone Wars. So much so, in fact, spoilers, it got announced a second season. So expect more of The Bad Batch. I'm a fan. Then again, I was a fan during the Clone Wars. And I'm glad they had the final season in order. It's weird how that works. Because this show wouldn't exist without that final season of The Clone Wars, which only exists on Disney Plus in order to have this show because it was on a they were featured in a single episode, but it was just so good of an episode that they got their series out of it, and now they get a second season out of it, and domino effect. Mm-hmm. To show us to go what happens when you have good writing. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he knows what he's doing over there. Yep. People, a lot of people really like his Star Wars stuff, which is interesting because we kind of live in an, in, a, in an era right now where people didn't really like the last movie. And so any good Star Wars content, the fans are sure are just eating up. And that's kind of the thing about Star Wars though, that there's a lot of stories to tell from different story points and different storytellers that there's literally something out there for everyone to like. like even if like you and I didn't like The Last Jedi, there are people out there who did, who enjoyed it. Yeah. Like there's something out there for everyone. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh now let's talk about the documentaries. Question mark. <laughs> Question mark. First one. I talked about this last week. I got the hype for it and watched it. And it's football time. It's football season. <laughs> Get hyped. Yes. Hard knocks is back the media boat tradition of talking about hard knocks as you mentioned earlier preseason football is about to start which means hard knocks is here so who are we looking at this year none other than jerry jones's dallas cowboys Ah, how about them weed them i don't know every week (laughs) when they lose i have to ask you still them boys (laughs) How, how about them cowboys tell me tell me about them how are they? Uh, so, <laughs> the big story last year for the Dallas Cowboys was the injury of Dak Prescott. Oh, Dak like, Prescott, oh, though. Yes, Dak Prescott, though, where he <laughs> broke his foot, ankle, 
basically it was like twisted the wrong way and just flopping there. Um, that's where it starts and his rehab. But mm. then it immediately gets into, you know, preseason, practicing, Mike McCarthy as your head coach. A lot of Mike McCarthy, which is expected, <laughs> but I don't expecting this much. I've been <laughs> the past three years, the idea of what hard knocks is has changed from it being originally when I first watched it, the mm -hmm. struggles of the rookie, the struggles of trying to make the team, the, as the show puts it, hard knocks you get during preseason uh, and training in order to successfully make the team. That has shifted within the past three years where it's no longer focusing as much on the rookies making the team as it is about the football organization and its trials and tribulations throughout preseason. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed it heavily last year with uh, 2020 where it was both the Rams and the uh, Chargers. I didn't really focus on the rookies, but rather on each team's organization and the head coach. Yeah. It's changed. If you go back to like the original one, it was all about the rookies, all about what they did to stand out, how they worked with the vets and their interactions coming into a new, albeit established organization, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. The shift is very noticeable. I'm not sure yet if I like it or enjoy it because I kind of want to still have those, oh yeah, let's follow the rookies and how they do and watch preseason and stuff like the quick behind the scenes that I like. Yeah. I, I'm feeling that kind of storytelling is gone now and it's more yeah. organization based, which is fun because if they, as they should be, continue rotating to different um, football franchises, you get that different in, inside look of how each organization is run differently. And right. they're all trying to achieve the same goal, which is win the championship. Yeah, it's interesting how it's kind of like changed over a period of time. I wonder how much of that comes from just um, where the fandom of the NFL has kind of gone in recent years, where it's been less about uh, I guess new players more about like oh I want to know about like the coaches and the dynasties that are being created and these bigger picture versions of how people are enjoying football now well that's what I liked originally what brought me to hard knocks was you watch these rookie and unknown players kind of interact in the trials and tribulations of trying to make the team yeah but maybe they found that not focusing on that brought them more viewers is what I'm saying. Right, you because you focus on the superstars yeah. that you want to see. Like, oh, right. where's Zach at? Where's Zeke at? Where's yes. CD at? Give, the people, give them the hits. Play the hits. It's the yeah. play the hits equivalent here. It's, it is. It's play the hits. <laughs> to use yeah. my own terminology. Yes, I, I shot it right back at you. Anyway. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, yeah. It's hard but not good to know it's, that it's still entertaining. Yeah. Um, oh, so because it's the Dallas Cowboys, I mentioned it mm -hmm. during the uh, sports segment, but they did play in this last week's Hall of Fame game. And it was super hilarious watching it back because the final score of the game was 28 to 3 or 35 to 3, whatever. I, all I know is that 
the Cowboys didn't score a single touchdown. <laughs> so when you have a game like that, who do you really focus on when you get that kind of beating? You can't focus on the offense because nobody scored. You can't <laughs> really focus on the defense because they let them score. <laughs> so it was super hilarious to watch them focus on one person during on defense during the first series, making two good plays. And the rest was just a montage of here's some football montage because <laughs> no one really did anything. So we're not going to focus on a single person. But football <laughs> happened. Yeah. And it was super hilarious. <laughs> at least I at least found it hilarious because as a story narrative, you kind of want to follow one person. But you can't do that when you don't have a star, shining star to focus on. Turns out, no. But also it's the Hall of Fame game, so you're Superstars aren't going to play. But that, yeah, so yeah, Hard Knocks, um, it's the Dallas Cowboys, so mileage may vary depending on your (laughs) love and or hatred of the Cowboys. Sure. I mean, yes, they are America's team, but then again, that was in the 90s when Jerry Jones (laughs) owned all the media corporation rights, so they had to play the Cowboys on TV. (laughs) <laughs> no longer get that anymore with satellite. Yeah. Thank you, satellite. Thank you, red zone. Thank you, internet. But that's something that the entirety of America did get to watch all at once. Were of course the Olympics, and the other thing you watched in the sports category of, of TV thoughts today involves yeah. our gymnasts. Yes, it, it involves the gymnasts. Um, I'll put this out right now. Not everyone's going to be able to watch this because. It's behind Peacock. It's a Peacock original. Ah. That being said, everything I just said about Hard Knocks of what I loved about it, mm. it's this, but in gymnast form. Golden, mm-hmm. colon, the journey of the U.S. Uh, elite gymnast is literally Hard Knocks, but for the U.S. <laughs> Olympic gymnast team. It follows four different gymnasts as they try to make the team. You don't focus on Simone Biles because, spoiler, she's going to make the team no matter what. You focus on the <laughs> other people around her that are trying to make that team. And the trials and tribulations of being a gymnast, one. The fallout from the Larry Nassar thing, two. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's COVID still while they're filming this, 2020, as they try and compete in limited to no, not just limited to no fans, but also the very scaled down opportunities that they get to make the team. There aren't all these gymnastic competitions that they can go to. There's only a total of like three or four Hmm. that they have to compete in that they go through to qualify to impress the judges and to impress the team captain and the uh, team managers to be chosen to make the Olympic Mm -hmm. team. Spoilers. One of them is Olympic gold medalist, Suni Lee. So if you want to see her (laughs) journey to make the team, they focus Mm -hmm. on her. You know, they did this all before she actually won gold, but Hey, right. Spoilers. Also not spoilers. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, if you're going to watch this, get to at least the second episode because in the second episode 
they talk heavily about the injuries and I think that more people should at least watch that episode because not only does it talk mm-hmm. about possible injuries that people sustain in it, but it talks explicitly about what Simone Biles actually went through, not her in name, but just how gymnasts of the past have gone through that exact situation that she did and they comment on it like you get actual gymnastics mm-hmm. people and gymnastic minds commenting on the struggles that is being an elite gymnast and how it can affect them mentally which affects them physically which affects them emotionally it's just a vicious cycle and Mm. it's super important and i wish more people watched it unfortunately it's behind peacocks i don't think most people will but if you're interested in hard knocks colon the gymnastic version watch golden (laughs) on peacock All right, cool. So if you're already in the Peacock ecosystem, that's another cool thing to check out. Yep. Uh, Right up there with the 96 effect, which I talked about earlier podcast. Right. So a lot of good content if you're interested in the U.S. gymnastic teams. A lot of good content if you're just interested in Olympic content as well. Right. The huge trove of Olympic archives on Peacock. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag please sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) all right on that note let's move into something that no one wants to sponsor which is cancellations and renewals all right what am i no longer watching well uh again this week and it seems to be a trend among our cancellations and renewals uh uh uh, category not a whole lot of cancellations but a whole lot of renewals first up physical on apple tv plus is getting a second season so let's get it Little Voice on Apple TV Plus, though, canceled after one season. Somewhere you can hear the little voice whimpering in terror. I want to say this is the first <laughs> Apple TV Plus show that's actually officially canceled. If I saw oh. that headline correct. That makes sense. Star Wars The Bad Batch, as you mentioned, is getting a second season on Disney Plus. Meanwhile, Panic on Prime Video, which you've written here with two eyes to my amusement. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was canceled after with the disco. Right. Right. Ultimate slip and slide. Hey, the diarrhea show, remember that? Canceled after no seasons after they never premiering. Air it at yes, all on that NBC. apparent incident completely ruined their entire filming schedule. They yeah. couldn't complete it, so they're just not gonna show it. Yeah. That being said. Somewhere in the depths of Peacock, at some point or another, I do hope they put on what they have. Yeah. Just, just label it Peacock Original, but then do zero advertising for it. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, American Barbecue Showdown, surprisingly not the diarrhea show, uh, gets a second season on Netflix. Hey, that was a delicious show. I liked watching that show. Fair enough. Speaking of Netflix, Netflix is also bringing back a couple of their reality shows, including Mediable Favorite, The Circle, for an additional two seasons. Um, Speaking of which, Netflix right now is actively casting for their reality shows, including The Circle. You can bet I sent that that tweet over to Christy, and she is very interested in applying. (laughs) I will definitely apply to that now. All you have to do, uh, from my understanding of looking at the website for about five minutes, is you send a one-minute video of yourself. Okay. I'll so I think send you can handle this that. exact clip right here. 
<laughs> don't don't say this, Cliff. Oh no, you're not no, a package. I'll just deal. link it to everything. Hey, right. look at yeah. all this, and look at the oh, viewers. You know, you should just edit every time you're talking about the circle and just submit that part. Yes. Right. Called the circle Anyways. package. Yeah, circle package. But also on Netflix, another reality show that I believe is also being actively actively recruited for Indian matchmaking will be getting a second season. So there you go. Also, and lastly, in cancellations and renewals, HBO's The White Lotus is getting renewed for a second season. Uh, this uh, is an asterisk because it's an anthology. It's no longer a regular series. It's now an anthology mm-hmm. with a different cast. Okay. Fair enough. So they made that switch because they couldn't get the cast back, supposedly. And yeah, that's now an anthology. Completely new cast for season two, much like uh, The Detective. Mm. Whatever that detective show was. True Detective. Yeah, New new, (laughs) new Detective. True Detective. Yes, True Detective. (laughs) Where's the third season for that? New Detective. Where's the third season for that? Who can say? All right, let's move into deaths. Quite a few this week, unfortunately. First up, Trevor Moore, age 41. That's super young. Comedian known for the whitest kids you know. Yep. I saw a lot of local sex pot. Yeah, I saw a lot of uh, people talking about, uh, a lot of comedian Twitter talking about this one. Very sad. Yep. Jane Withers, age 95. Actress, was in Giant, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Patty O'Day, among other things. Yep. Uh, original, she was an actress, but then turned to voice acting in her later days. Also, Marky Post, age 70, actress, known for Night, Car- Night Court, The Fall Guy, and Hearts of Fire, among others. Definitely remember her from Night Court. For her. Yeah. Brad Allen, age 48, an Australian martial artist and action stunt choreographer. Known for his work on films such as Rush Hour 2, Solo, Star Wars Stories, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, I understand he was a protege of Jackie Chan. Yep. So studied under under Jackie Chan's leadership. So next we have Bobby Bowden, age ninety one, a Hall of Fame college football coach with Florida State and West Virginia, two time national championship winner, twelve ACC titles, and was the FSU coach from nineteen seventy six all the way to two thousand nine. Yep, that's uh, Bobby Bowden. Bowden, sorry. Yes, legendary, legendary college coach. Like the fa- the coach of Florida State for literal decades, thirty years there, plus. Yeah, it's a long time. Then, lastly, Tony Esposito, age seventy eight, Hall of Fame NHL player, played with the Blackhawks and the Canadians, won the Stanley Cup in nineteen sixty nine. Nice. nice. Not nice that he died, but. I mean, no, but. 1969. Okay. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for deaths, and that means we can safely move on into the music section of the show, which means I pass this over to you. And we always start music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. And guess who's staying at number one? <laughs> it's Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. So this is actually it's only time it's been number one. It was not number one last week. 
No, but then my staying joke doesn't work. I know, I know. It was for the joke. I got it. But yes, uh, the kid, Leroy, and Justin Bieber. Yes, all caps, Lowry. Yes, important. Leroy. Yep, salty looks. Number two, (laughs) good for you, by Olivia Rodrigo, forever (laughs) number two. Hello, new Taylor Swift, forever number two. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, At number three, Levitating by Dua Lipa, featuring the baby. For now. For now. Uh, At four, Butter by BTS. Apparently, it's not that hot as you're cooling off from the summer. And (laughs) rounding out your top five is Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. Yes, Ed Sheeran, back in the top five. Hello. I do believe that means we should expect an album by the end of the year from him. Maybe. Uh, Moving on to the Billboard 200, your albums chart. And here we can pick up the phone because we both called it. (laughs) It was an easy call. By Billie Eilish, the easiest call you can make. Besides styling down the center, 1-800-C-A-L-A-T-T. <laughs> free for you and cheap for them. Oh, Easiest Jesus. call they'll ever make. <laughs> it gave me flashbacks. Next thing you know, I know you're going to recite uh, 10, 10, 3, 2, 1 commercials. <laughs> All right. All I right. said, that reminded me, I said, 599, are you out of your mind the other night? Which was, I believe, a Pizza Hut campaign or something. Yes. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, I, why do, why do we remember these things? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Because Carrot Top. <laughs> At number two, <laughs> uh, we have Fuck Love by the Kid Leroy. Hi. At number three, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Coming in at number four, Welcome to America by Prince. Hey, he didn't drop out of the top five. Oh, although he debuted, so that, that was um, we talked about him in the new releases section. That's uh, what we, it was. We have not talked about this in the billboard until now. That's what it was. All right, because I saw that name before; it was familiar. And we got your top five planet her by Doja Cat. Yes. If you did not like any of those albums, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on, I, I'm just getting breaking news here. Yes, okay. We we need to thank Prince because he kicked out. He should no longer be named from the top five. Yes, yes. Finally, we have a top five without you know who. Although we did also have a top five Hot 100, including the baby. So really, we're just we've gave we've rebalanced still. One chart um, a week. Come on. <laughs> One chart a week. Yeah, we should be happy with what we got. Anyway. You mean happier than ever? Haha, that's what you did there. Well, but there are new records coming out. If, yeah, if you do not like any of those albums or want to keep that double album out of the top five, we have new releases. We do. Including Refuge. <laughs> it's not there's no double E, so it's not Refugee. It's just Refuge. No, it's Refuge. 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 Whatever. <laughs> By Devendra Barnhart and Noah Jordson. Uh, we also have Loving in Stereo by Jungle. And last, but certainly not least, and an album we will probably both be listening to 
I mean, at least I will. Pressure Machine by The Killers. Yes, those The Killers. Are them The Killers? (laughs) They The Killers? Them The Killers. Them The Killers. Yes, Pressure Machine. I will be checking out that album this upcoming week. Cool. So we'll talk about that next week. In the meantime, what else we got? In the Silence. meantime, we have music <laughs> news. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yes, music news. What is in the world of music happening uh, this we week? We start with the MTV VMA nominations. Ooh. All right. So, eh, maybe not our favorites, but Justin Bieber <laughs> and Megan the Stallion led the nominations for MTV's 2021 VMAs, which were unveiled by the network today. today. Beaver leads with seven nods, and Megan is next with six. And several artists followed with five, including Billie Eilish, BTS, Doja Cat, Drake, Givian, and two of this week's Variety cover stars, Lil Nas X, and first-time nominee and media boat favorite, Olivia Rodrigo. The 2021 VMAs returned to New York City this year, airing live from Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, on Sunday, September 12th at 8 p.m. Airing across MTV's linear and digital platforms in 180 countries and territories. The show will simulcast across CMT, Comedy Central, Logo, MTV2, Nickelodeon, Paramount Network, Pop, TV Land, VH1, The CW Network. If you got it, they got it. It's everywhere. (laughs) Making the show available to an expanded broadcast audience for its second consecutive year. Unless you don't want your kids to watch because some booty shaking <laughs> may happen on a bed or Lil Nas X may be grinding on a devil or a guy or kissing a guy or doing something. Who knows? Maybe you don't you want to watch this on Nickelodeon. Anything could happen. Like a quick cut to Spongebob or something. I don't know. No, they'll just do like they do with the NFL games and they'll just cover the objectionable material with CGI slime. You know. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> Kid Fun Blast MTV music. <laughs> MTV Awards. Yeah, the Fun Blast is right. Anyway. That's gross. Let's move on. Let's move on to our second story and um, rewind the clock, hop back in this time machine because we're talking about Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Yes, that's Stevie Nicks. Well, she only had five concerts on the books for 2021. She decided to cancel one, two, three, and make it all five of them. (laughs) She's canceled all her concerts uh, that she announced yesterday. Quote, these are challenging times with challenging decisions that have to be made. 
I want everyone to be safe and healthy and the rising COVID cases should be of concern to all of us. While I'm vaccinated at my age, I am still being extremely cautious. And for that reason, I decided to skip the five performances I had planned for 2021. It goes on to say, be, quote, because singing and performing <laughs> have been my whole life, my primary goal is to keep healthy so I can continue singing for the next decade or longer. I'm devastated, and I know the fans are disappointed, but we will look forward to a brighter 2022. I believe this is the first artist to have done such a drastic move, just canceling all shows. Um, yeah. I believe her next big performance was supposed to be local to us at Bottle Rock in Napa mm -hmm. Valley over the Labor Day weekend. Yeah, I included this story because it kind of acts as like what, a, what you might see to become more common in the coming weeks of uh, these big tours being canceled. Um, it's also kind of an opportunity to talk about what other artists have been doing to kind of combat these uh, surging uh, cases. You have a lot of artists working with venues to make their shows COVID vaccine only shows. So a lot of shows are now requiring um, proof of vaccination at the door or administering testing outside. So that way people who maybe have health reasons why they can't get the vaccine, but otherwise would still entrance into the shows. So Depending on the size of the venue, depending on the size of the artist putting on the show, you're seeing all sorts of different reactions. But to see such a big artist do this um, is probably going to make some waves. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, if you're not, if there's no way to really monitor it and there's no guarantee that everybody's going to be uh, fully vaccinated and protected, then that's a risk you're taking. And some artists aren't going to want to take the risk. Yep. I mean, it is each artist's own, you know, call. Yeah. I mean, last week we reported on the drummer not wanting to be vaccinated and thus getting kicked off the band. Right. From the offspring. And, and this is just a, like, she said she's vaccinated. So yeah. she just doesn't want to put other people in that right. kind of compromised position. That is the Especially thing. if you've seen the photos from Lollapalooza the past weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not pretty. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, needless to say, uh, it's an interesting move and it's an important move. And yeah, you're going to see that probably this happen more and more. So, we'll see. Um, and lastly, um, on Kanye Watch, Kanye's Donda <laughs> album. Right. If we must talk about it. I mean... It's still not out. Yeah, it's not out. <laughs> may or may not be out. It was supposed to release last year under a different name. Didn't happen. Supposed to release last month. Didn't happen. <laughs> may or may not actually still be in post-production. Who the hell Who knows at this point? I'm still, I don't know about y'all, but I'm still waiting for TurboGrafx-16, so. <laughs> but did he fix wolves? He did eventually fix wolves. <laughs> so, so there you go. He has a track record. Maybe not <laughs> the best track That record. was a long time ago. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't care. This is the guy who who titled his album Late Registration as if telling (laughs) him my shit's going to be late. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, he's been very upfront about how late he's going to be. Yes. Anyway. Anyways. um, But you have something more fun to talk talk about. about Because we didn't listen to it. Oh. The album I listened to. Okay. That I called last week that I told you I was going to listen to. Is yes. Chris Young's famous friends? So well, hold on for a second. Yes. Does he invite any of his famous friends on this record to uh, help him? Does he? <laughs> like half this uh, album is like just Chris Young's favorite friend, being, th- famous uh, friends like co-opting with other people. Okay. I mean, because we start with like King Brown on it. But then, like, there's other uh, artists on this as well. And it's just, it's hard for me to rate it as an actual album because he has so many other artists, like, on this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where's the album for this so I can, don't mess up? Like, who's actually on this thing? Uh, but uh, here we go. Track list. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, Lauren Alana's on here. M- Michelle or Mitchell Tenpenny. Uh, King Brown. It's it's kind of a hodgepodge of stuff that he's already released, like Raised on Country, mm-hmm. but as a single, which he released, I think, two years ago. But as with country artists do, you don't immediately release an album after that. Mm-hmm. So a couple of stuff is backlogged, like Break Like You Do and Love Looks Good on You. Uh, but overall, this isn't that breakthrough album that I think Chris Young wants it to be. That mm-hmm. being a Chris Young fan, having listened to his previous stuff, went to his concert. Wait, no, shit, no, that was the other young. That was Brett Young. No, I've seen Chris Young in concert. Like, whenever he comes in headlines, like, we try and talk to him. Uh, but I feel like I just talked about this with a different artist. How it's not the um, big, bombastic, like, tour, not, not tour, but like arena selling album that you want it to be. It's just an yeah. okay album. Like it has the hits, though don't get me wrong, it has the hits on here. It just doesn't quite have the stadium hits that you're kind of looking for here. Mm-hmm. What was I talking about that with Midland? Yeah, with Midland's last, last album. It wasn't stadium sounding enough to make you like want to go like sell out arena stadium this is regular music venue amphitheater not 360 audience all around me kind of album which is fine yeah there's nothing wrong with that yeah and like we that upper echelon but it's still a very country album yeah and like we talked about before with similar i forget you're right you're you referenced another country artist and i can't for the life of me remember who you were talking about 
which is very telling <laughs> in a way. Uh, but yeah, in, in that conversation too, it's like, it probably came out of, you know, the overall feeling of last year where it's just like, yeah, it wasn't about arenas anymore. People were like making their non-arena record. It was Chase Rice. That's right. Yep, because his album was called The Album. Right, The Album. Yes, The Album. But, I mean, if you're looking for country music and country songs, he writes some pretty good country songs. He's, like, he's got some of them. He's got some out. of them. They're not like the arena songs you want. Sure. But they're like the singles, the doubles. They're base hits in baseball terminology. They get the mm. job done. They're very consistent. Right. They're just not Otani flashy home run styles. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, hit another one. So keep that record going. <laughs> Um, but it's a fun listen to, but it's just not a like country pull you in listen to. You already have to sure. be in that kind of know to like this album. It's not, it's no Eric Church where it's going to capture you and bring you in. It's no Kenny Chesney where you're going to put it on and forget about it. It's an okay country album. That's not okay. saying that's bad. Yeah, it just is what it is. It just is what it is. It's just okay. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, did you listen to anything? Uh, no, not really. Nothing, nothing to report on. All right. Uh, well, we'll have the killers next week. Yes. But for now... But for now, let's uh, round out to our last uh, segment here with video games. And we start video games with new releases. Uh, First up, Axiom Verge 2 for the PS4, Switch, and PC. Nakara, colon, Blade Point for the PC. Foreclosed for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, PC. You got it. You can play it. <laughs> or maybe not because you foreclosed. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Uh, we also have Greek, colon, Memories of Azure for the PS5, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. Humankind for the PC, and Media Boat favorite Game of the Year, multiple Game of the Year nominees. I think it was our Game of the Year last year as well. Yep. Hades for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox yes. Series X. It was already out for the Switch, already out for the PC. Yes. This is everything else. Play this damn game. It is great. Important to note, if you're on the Xbox side of that fence, it is available on Game Pass, so you don't have to pay extra for it if you're already a Game Pass subscriber. It just makes you want to own Game Pass more and more, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. Yeah, if you haven't played Hades, that's the perfect way to do it. Yep. All right. Our first story, uh, video games, is also a cross story with music, as music sensation Ariana Grande performed during Fortnite. 
where is this? You've gone rogue. You're reading a story that's not on the sheet. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the story. because I didn't watch it. <laughs> no, I but didn't watch it. Ariana Grande is also yes. now a skin in Fortnite. I also so heard this. Yes. Anything is everything. Fortnite has become yep. everything at this It's time. everything. But that's not what those stories we're reporting on today are. No. The actual stories that we're going to report on are that of actual significant importance here. Including... Steve Gaynor, the yes. co-founder of Gone Home Developer Fulbright Company. He has announced that he's stepping back from his role as creative lead and manager for Open Roads in an effort to, quote, foster a work environment that is healthy and collaborative. Real quick, Open Roads is their newest game uh, that was announced at E3 last year, in case you're right. wondering. This is the one that got everyone excited because you're essentially crossing the border correct no you're thinking of a different game this right. one is the one where it's a story about a mother and a daughter on a road trip it is different, different from game. yeah it is different from the one about the border crossing that is a similar premise but is a different developer different right game. but they like showed them back to back right yeah <laughs> we had a lot of games about road trips last year for some reason uh, and this was one of them but yeah so open roads that's the Fulbright game all right. Well, according to a post on the official Open Roads Twitter, Gaynor will now only act as a writer on the project. This tweet went up with no other context about an hour before an extensive report on the matter by Polygon, which delved into the matter further, saying Gaynor was the subject of multiple allegations among the workers at Fulbright. According to Polygon's report, in the time since Open Roads began development in 2019, 15 employees have left the studio and only six remain as a publication. 12 of those 15 people said that their leaving was due to, at least in part, to Gaynor's treatment of staff, women especially. Out of the 15 people that have since departed the company, 10 of them were women. So that's not a good uh, percentage. Yeah. Real important note about the story. So I read the entirety of the Polygon report because I've really enjoyed Fulbright's work in the past. Mm -hmm. um, Gone Home is one of my favorite games. Um, so this was a big surprise. And so I wanted to see exactly what was going on here. So the most important note to make here that None of the allegations involve any harassment or assault on Steve Gaynor. That is not what this story is about. So compared to the things that we've heard uh, coming out of recently Activision Blizzard, before that Riot, Naughty Dog, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. New York uh, governor. This, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's another can of worms. We don't do that here. Um, so in comparison to that, this is not that story. However, it's still extremely worrying when you have women leaving your studio in large numbers because they don't feel comfortable working with the guy in charge. So some of the allegations were of the type of like sending dismissive emails, not listening to women in meetings, maybe borderline inappropriate conversations had one-on-one, -on -one, that kind of thing. And ultimately, he took 
uh, he made the decision to step down from a day-to-day in-person position at the studio, which is a good move. Um, he's still at the company, as the story mentions. He's still in, right, in writing capacity on the game. But, you know, having a game that is about women, uh, you kind of want that story being told by women. And if your studio is hemorrhaging women because of your leadership, that is a problem. So um, the flip side of the story, uh, unfortunately, is, is that this means that development on open roads has been complicated and thus its release date has been pushed back. So the game is now not slated, originally slated for this year. Now it looks like it probably won't come out until later in 2022 as a result of the changes here. Uh, but yeah, those remaining staff members um, are continuing to work on the game and um it will eventually be completed and yeah we'll see where the studio goes from there but uh definitely yeah definitely disappointing i think is the word that i would put definitely disappointing from somebody who was seen once at a as a very creative mind i mean before he formed um helped form fulbright he helped make um the extremely popular uh downloadable content for uh bioshock 2 uh which was lauded at the time for being cool experimental game design and so to see somebody have a bit of a fall from grace in this way is is disappointing for sure yeah it's super disappointing i mean yeah not just from a creative standpoint but just from a leadership standpoint and of course another wrinkle here is that it's unfortunate that these talented female developers felt like they had to leave because now, like in an industry where it's often difficult for talented women to get hired to do the things that they're good at, it sucks that a place that was probably seen from the outside as being a safe haven for people because of the games they make are very inclusive and have stories about inclusivity. It sucks that a studio that made these games can't do the same thing in, inside their office. So uh yeah i hope that the people who had to leave the company for whatever reason they had to make that choice uh find new places that uh could take advantage of their skill set because i'm sure they're very very talented people i mean yeah they got hired and they're talented enough to work at a company it's just the problem that we keep running into with video game companies Mm -hmm. is the fostering of the work the work environment right yeah, goes to show you that even the small indie studios are not um, immune to this kind of thing, even if the severity is lower. Uh, but hey, psychological stuff can be just as important as physical things in a lot of ways and will affect people in similar ways. So it happens everywhere, and hopefully they're working on it. Well, speaking of indie studios... <laughs> that was a tough segue. Yeah, I couldn't get away from it. Both <laughs> Microsoft and Nintendo held indie showcases. Yeah. Well, as is the case, there's too many <laughs> games to list here. Yeah, usually I would do a bullet point list, but this week, not happening after I saw the giant page list of what was at Microsoft's show. I was like, nope. So, set here are the highlights. Just like the weekend. Yep. Here are the highlights. Ladies and gentlemen, the highlights. <laughs> Thank you. 
We start with Microsoft as they went first, including yeah. Stardew Valley. Yeah, that game that you can play on your phone. <laughs> well, if you haven't played it, well, you're probably not going to play it on Game Pass, but it's there. But you can. It's there. Yeah. Uh, Stardew Valley available on Game Pass. Soon. Soon. And it's a pretty big deal as the game is extremely popular still and is the idea. Ideal, ideal I think, is what the story game means. Pass game for keeping people hooked through a subscription because yeah. that game never ends. <laughs> uh, we also have Aeon Drive coming out, which is a slick action platformer with a demo out now and the full game later in 2021. Uh, we also have Library of Ruina, another Game Pass launch, out in five, four, three, two, now. <laughs> uh, we also have The Veil, colon, Shadow of the Crown, which is an entirely audio-based adventure that is fully deaf accessible. That's pretty cool. That is interesting. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I like that there's games developed like that. It's really cool. It's very expansive and interesting. Yeah. That brings us to Nintendo. Yep. And three games that are being highlighted, including Tetris Effect Connected. Yep. Coming to the Switch in October. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. More people need to play Tetris Effect. More people need to own the Switch. My, what was, that was my 2019 game of the year, I believe. Tetris Effect. Yes. I believe so. That was your number one game. Yeah. Because it's Tetris. Yeah, and it's can't, colorful. You can't be relaxing. It. Yeah. Uh, we also have the Stardew Valley devs. That's <laughs> <I mean, laughs> why I typically I typically read your stories ahead of time. I caught you there. The Stardew Valley <laughs> devs have a new two-day RPG called Eastward. And a puzzle spin-off of Shovel Knight is in the works. Yeah. I mean, like we said, that's just a taster. If you want to know the full lists, you can go uh, do a quick Google search and see everything that they talked about or watch the YouTube videos to recap it all. But these are the ones I thought were interesting. Yeah, these are the fun ones. Yeah. Especially the Tetris effect everywhere. Yeah, happy to see more people be able to play that, especially the connected mode, because I would hate to see the multiplayer modes go away because not enough people are playing those things. So... Go jump into some Tetris Effect. Try it out. Will do. I mean, I will do in October. <laughs> I mean, actually, you might be able to sooner than that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Did you play anything? Uh, you know what? No. <laughs> I mean, I did play a game, but it's not new. Uh, Katamari Damacy Reroll, the remake of the original Katamari Damacy game, just hit Game Pass this week. And so I played a lot. I played it about an hour of that last night and jumped right back into the groove. I love Katamari and that game's still good, turns out. Nice. So, yeah. Um, I beat um, Nier 
reincarnation. Right, the phone game. Yes. And then literally the next day it said, hey, new chapters have been added. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn it. I so you didn't beat this. shit. <laughs> uh, well, I completed the first part because as with most New York games, it's multi-storied and multi-layered. So uh-huh. I beat the first um, playthrough of it. But okay. then the chapter, the following chapter is like, hey, but what about the other side, other story? <laughs> and yeah, so there's a lot more to it now. And I'm not done. Well, good um, luck on that one. I did end up um, on my own time, like late at night, not non streaming, beating Horizon Forbidden West. No, sorry. Cool. No, Frozen Wild. That game doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist yet. Next month, it does. <laughs> you're getting ahead of yourself here. Yes. Horizon Frozen Wilds. I finally beat that DLC, completed everything okay. in there. I like that story. Cool. I liked what they did with it. I yeah. kind of hope they do more of that kind of story with the sequel. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Um, in related news, do you want to tell the audience about your new bundle of joy that's coming uh, and you'll be able to talk about next week? Uh, it's still impregnating me, so it's not here yet. <laughs> it is um, being delivered, or so I hear. Uh, I'm in the waiting room. Right, sure. Yes. Back and forth uh-huh. of um, waiting for, for it to arrive and I can name him and or her. But okay, let's just say what I'll say here for the recording is is that when uh Horizon uh Forbidden West does come out, he'll be able to play it, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Um and I will say that I will have a lot more hands-on of yes Ratchet and Clank um Rift Apart to have a full review, much albeit delayed review next week. Yes. Also, you're welcome. <laughs> Assumption is that I will beat it over a weekend, but hey, don't we'll really see. have very many plans this weekend. The one weekend I actually don't have plans made. Hey! hey! Good timing. Good timing, UPS. Yes. All right. So yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about all that and more. Expect uh, some, yeah, some thoughts about those games, some thoughts about uh, the killers, some thoughts about, I don't know, all sorts of other things, I'm sure. So uh, look forward to it. Yep. And uh, with that, yeah. I think it's time to plug away. Yeah, let's wrap up. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week, as I said, with a whole new episode. In the meantime, you can find the video version of this podcast on YouTube by searching YouTube for Media Boat Podcast. You can find our page there. Like, subscribe, comment, whatever you need to do. Click the bell for notifications. You can also listen to the audio version of our podcast on audio services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you listen to uh, podcasts, you can find us. You can also find us on MediaBoatPodcast.com. You can find us on social media platforms like Twitter, at MediaBoatCast is our handle there. Facebook, search MediaBoatPodcast and you'll find our page. Twitch.tv slash MediaBoat is where you can find Mike playing video games every once in a while. And lastly, if you want to ask us any questions, leave us comments, anything at all, you can email us directly at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. 
that'll do it for this week. So thank you for joining us and we'll be back with a new episode next time. See you guys and have a good week. Yep, we'll be back with more news, more thoughts, more fun. Yeah, maybe. Especially if I get more fun this weekend. Maybe. We'll see. All right. right. Uh, We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.